ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to season 11, episode 9 of Baroon and Bold. Joining you always is myself, CMO Sports Center, Mitch Vosberg, here to talk everything CMU sports related. So let's not, let's not pretty pretty around here. Let's talk about some CMU men's hoops first. Uh, past couple games, um, yeah, not the greatest uh, outcomes. Uh, a 76 69 loss to Bellarmine. On the 23rd of November, to round off the good Sam Empire Classic in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, we did preview the Kentucky game that happened on Monday. Um, unfortunately, CMU dropped that one 85-57. Miss Ashley Bergens and I break down our thoughts going on that game. And also, break down Wednesday's game against Xavier. Uh, that's on Wednesday, December 1st, 6.30 p.m. And can be seen on Fox Sports 1 and can be seen and can be heard through the CMU Sports Radio Network. Uh, the Chippewas also have a, also have their first home game, first regular season home game on the year, Sunday, December fifth against Western Illinois. That starts at two p.m. and that's in McGurk Arena. So if you can get out and support this team, by all means, get out and support this team. It's a totally new set, new coach, twelve new players. They're still trying to figure it out, honestly. But you know when they do, uh, this could be a fun team to watch. Um, Shifting gears now to women's hoops. Uh, as we talked last week, we talked about the road trip up to the Northeast. Uh, CMU women's hoops falling to Northeastern in Boston, uh, 63 to 57 back on November 26th. Tight one, Molly Davis, 32 points. I think just maybe she found her groove again. Uh, Sean Chase and I talk everything about that, that game. And also, um, on Sunday, the 28th, CMU women's hoops, big win, 56 50 over Marist. In Poughkeepsie, New York, they round up this week's schedule with a road game at Cincinnati on 7 p.m. on Wednesday, December 1st. Busy game for CMU sports fans. That is, again, 7 p.m. and can be seen on ESPN Plus down in Cincinnati, Ohio. You know, it's kind of funny. Both teams actually against Xavier and Cincinnati will both be in the city of Cincinnati. That is weird. I mean, it kind of, I mean, it kind of stinks that, you know, both teams have to go to Ohio for an extended amount of time. But, you know, that's neither here, here or there. But... CMU football finished up its regular season. Because a cold one, to say the least. Uh, fortunately, the press box at Kelly Shorts is somewhat insulated, not great. Uh, the Chippewas, 31-10 win over Eastern Michigan. Uh, not only, but big um, story out of that, they claim the Michigan Mac Trophy for the first time since 2017. Huge accomplishment. Really fun to see because not only that, because not only does that mean, hey, you know, you beat both both teams in the MAC, they're Michigan teams. When you win the Michigan MAC, that also means you get the victory cannon. So, you know, you get two nice pieces of hardware to wrap up the 2021 season. And you know, at least for my senior year, because this is my second last episode hosting the show and I'm about to get emotional over it. Uh, it's really cool to see covering this team. So, obviously, we win the show with Christian Boer and I talking CMU football. We go over kind of our MVPs about the offensive defense, most improved, a player to watch, that sort of thing. We break it all down. And we talk about maybe a potential bowl game. Uh, we'll know that answer for sure on Sunday, December 5th. Uh, ESPN's show starts at noon. They'll probably, first things first, they'll probably announce the playoff, which, heck, you know, um, no max goals that are in the running, so I'm not going to speculate on that. If you want that, listen to on Sports My Conduct. They'll drop at 2 p.m. on Thursday at the same site that you are currently streaming this podcast. We're doing it on our website. Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, wherever. We got your back. But enough of me rambling already. Let's talk some women's hoops with Mr. Sean Chase. All right, joining me now to talk some women's hoops. 
you know him very well now. It's Boys Mr. Sean Chase. Sean, how we doing? How was your Thanksgiving break, my man? Pretty good. It wasn't long enough, though. It felt like it came and went. God, I feel you so much. I think I spent 27 hours at home a total of our break. I didn't make it home. <laughs> but we're talking to some women's hoops. And Sean, when we talked last week, you mentioned that CMU was going to split this weekend. You thought a win in Northeastern and then uh, then maybe lost against Marist. Um That got flipped. Yeah. But they competed in both. Uh, talk to me first about this Northeastern game. It was a 63-57 CMU loss. But Molly Davis all of a sudden comes back alive. Talk to me about this game and talk about Molly. Yeah, Molly started 0 for 16 on the season from deep, and it was looking bad against Northeastern. She missed her first four or five. I started to get nervous. And then CMU, all of a sudden, they explode. People start hitting shots. Tessin starts to come alive. Tempe started. She went three for three to start the game. That was, that kept CMU in it. Then we get to the third quarter. We start to get a little lead. That lead disappears, and Northeastern came back on us, took a quick punch to the stomach, and then just took running. And then by then, nobody could catch up. Molly Davis wasn't shooting well enough to bring us back, and she seems to be the, the key cog to this team right now. But despite that, Molly Davis still puts up 32 points, a season high. You're really happy to see her get grown again. Then two days later, in New York, Seymour gets the second one of the year, 56-50 over Marist. Molly Davis finishes with a calmer 21, but 6-15 shooting, 3-9 from three-point range. Jahari Smith gets her first double-double uh, of the year, which is a goal for her going this season. Anika Weeks, though, 9 points and 15 boards. Yes, sir. That's one tough Canadian there, let me tell you. But, yes, sir. Uh, but, uh, but before we go too far, talk to me about this Maris game. What was it, uh, what was it about Maris that allowed CMU to get this win? I think Maris made a bad decision. They have a girl who transferred from Syracuse. Her name is Fisher. She plays point guard. The whole week, Osterley was going into it like, we are ready for her. We're ready to give Fisher everything we can. She's played at the highest levels of Big East in D1 basketball. And Maris put her on the bench. I don't understand it. I don't know what the coach's play was. She's the leading scorer on that team. She, When she came in against CMU, it was everything we could do to stop her. But then you got Molly Davis, who continues this three-point shooting streak. As you said, she only dropped 21 against Maris. It felt like a better overall game for her. But the goal, and I thank you for mentioning Anika Weeks, the goal was to crash the glass and CMU dominated the offensive glass. Jahari Smith and Anika Weeks put on a performance that I have never seen in women's basketball. Yeah, Jahari and Anika combined for 28 of CMU's 46 rebounds. But I think the big thing with this team was, obviously, Molly had to get going. That I think at this point that's checked off. Yeah. Jahari Smith, her goal was to get a double-double every game. That's starting to creep in, in there. Jari Smith was going to be physical, bring good defense, and maybe get six, eight points. You had nine this game. Yeah. Kelly Martinez was with, Kelly Martinez got in the starting lineup on Sunday, correct? Yes, sir. What kind of spark did that bring? Because she's not a good shooter off the bench. First time I can really see, I've uh, really seen her get in the lineup. What do you think caused maybe that shift in the lineup? But then how do you feel she performed? I think she performed really well, but I think it was Osterly wanting to find shooting. She talked about it post game with. Uh, I can't even think of his name. With the mountain people, the people who cover the game for us. And she said, we got to do something to switch it up. Kelly Martinez has been somebody who she's seen in practice can shoot. She started to come on towards the late parts of games this season. So Osley gave her the run, and she, she went out and performed. And she added an attack. When Molly Davis is getting double teamed, she can kick it to Martinez. She can kick it to Tempe. She can go to the paint with Smith. 
the the diversity of the offense to see him you can run is the next level. So what you're saying is they may have found that counterpart to Molly potentially and Kelly Martinez. Yes, sir. Which she has been a solid contributor off the bench the past few seasons, but her senior year, if they can get her going as that number two option, man, that would be quite a story for her. Yes, sir. It'd be awesome. But this week's slate of games, Wednesday on the road, I'm 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 gonna get it right and not make a fairly offense for a reference. <laughs> Cincinnati. And if you know where I'm going with that, thank you so much for understanding my weird sense of humor. The Bearcats, Chippewas, normally good non-conference matchup. How do you feel this game is going to shake out? I think that we're going to be in for another battle. The past two games, CMU has been right there at the end. It's just gotten out of, out of their way, or gotten away from them, or they've locked it down. It's been a toss-up, truly. Cincinnati seems like another team who's ready to just go grind it in the paint. Yeah, they can shoot threes, but on any given day, if you're not shooting well and CMU comes in there ready to let it go on the back end of a three-game road trip, anything can happen. Absolutely. But, I man, you mentioned three-game road trip. You go up to Boston. You go up to Poughkeepsee. Now you're going down to Cincinnati. That's a, that's a, that's kind of a that's kind of a forged-by-fire road trip for a lot of these youngins. Yes, sir. How, how do you feel that's going to help this team long-term? Because, obviously, they come back in a week or so. They got Oakland at home on Tuesday at 11 a.m. start, which I still find peculiar. But then, but then they bring on, and then they host uh, Chicago on the eleventh. Like, like it, I'm not gonna say this is a make or break game, but like, how important is it to finish this three game road trip strong at least? Oh, I think it's incredibly important because it's all about camaraderie right now. We're early in the season; they're having struggles. You go on a road like this to a town I never even heard of Poughkeepsie, New York. Didn't even know it was a place till I had to spell it, and then. I think that it's just weird. They're far away from home. It was Thanksgiving weekend. You got nothing but to do but bond with your teammates. I think if we come out of Cincinnati with the W and this three-game road trip, two and one, it flips the whole schedule. Now we're three and three, and it changes our outlook coming back home where now Molly's ready to shoot. Michigan, we didn't have a shot against because Molly wasn't in that rhythm yet. It, it takes time for shooters to get to that flow. I think everybody's getting there. Timpy's burying stuff. Rachel Luby's playing up another level from what she already was. So, all right. Any, any last thoughts we can have your chest about this team before we sign off for the week? It's been fun. I it, it hurts to see them lose these close games where it's, they've got a ten point lead and then they lose by five in the back end. But I think this is the trial by fire sort of situation. Like with NIU beating CMU last second. Now they go on a four-game run. I think we could see the tides turn on this season once we get back home. Love to see it. That was Mr. Sean Chase. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Big shout-out to Mr. Sean Chase here. It's a bit of a kind of hard stretch for him to do both women's basketball and volleyball, but I know he's starting to get excited for women's basketball. We're all getting excited for basketball season. But speaking of basketball, let's talk some men's hoops with Ms. Ashley Berkness. <laughs> Well, with Thanksgiving time now officially done, I guess this means basketball season really ramps up. And uh, after watching a couple games, um, this might end up being a kind of a definite rebuild year for senior. Joining me now is boys, Miss Ashley Berkus. Ashley, first of all, happy Monday. Did you enjoy your break? I did. I did. I watched a lot of football and slept a lot. Sounds like my sounds like my break too, and I love it. So when we were talking last week, obviously the Gonzaga game was about to happen. 
Oh, boy. We'll get to that. But also, yeah. game against Bell in mind. First of all, let's talk about Gonzaga. <laughs> they are the number one team in the land for a reason. Yep. At that time, they had won, like, 31 straight regular season games. Obviously, lost to Duke on Friday. But, yeah. man, A... But hey, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the topic, the fact that that, that I had to cover this game at 11 p.m. came up four times with my family's Thanksgiving, which was always fun. But B, man, Gonzaga has some talents, cohesive. Just talk about like your thoughts behind this game. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I think I think Gonzaga just kind of like they knew going into it, they're like it's gonna be good for them, and I think they just kind of like took that and ran with it. And just never looked back. Yeah. Because at least to me, like, this is the difference between... This, this is what makes a great program as opposed to a program that works. Mark Few had been... It's been enough, like, what, 20 years? He had that culture and stuff established now for two decades. Yeah. Tony Barbie's era, it's, it's literally game five or four in mm-hmm. here. Like, they're, like, you can tell the difference just the way the programs are being set. This senior program is basically, they just broke their, I feel, and built this program. Yeah. There's no foundation set yet. But with Gonzaga, you know, they're adding on a hot tub, uh, a resort, uh, a casino gambling room. They're adding on that program that's been that well built. Yeah. That gave us proof evidence of that entirely. Yeah. Like, Gonzaga gets these top prospects. Chet, Chet Holmgren, first of all, somebody please get the kid a sandwich. He has that scrum. <laughs> but, man, is he was he good. Yeah. But going back, but now talking us now, but now let's stop pumping uh, Gonzaga. Let's talk about Bellarmine, which I found out how she pronounced Bellarmine, not Bellarmine, this past week, and I feel so dumb for that. <laughs> but a seventy six sixty nine loss, obviously not as bad as Gonzaga. But I for unfortunately not get a chance to watch this game. I was stuck in my capstone all night. How this game looked to you? Because obviously it's gonna go better than it was Gonzaga, but did it look better on their end? Yes, I thought they did a lot better. I think they they left what happened with Gonzaga behind, and they came out and thinking it's a new day. It's a we have another chance to come home with a win, and unfortunately it didn't happen. But they definitely looked better. But I think Bellarmine just they out they outplayed them in the end. So one thing Tony Barbie mentioned about this team, offense will figure it out, but defense we got to be there. Yeah. If you take away maybe that second half against DePaul and that Gonzaga game, defensively they've been just fine. Mm-hmm. Offensively, though, different story. Yeah. What's it going to take, at least in your eyes, for this offense to kind of start to find itself? I think they just – I think something that I noticed was just ball handling, like careful with it because, you see, they have a lot of turnovers. And I think once they get better control of the ball, I mean, they can find people in – make something happen, at least, and better that offense. How much, how, okay, I'm going to ask you this too, but how much do you think team chemistry plays into that? Oh, I think it's a huge part, and I think with it being a new team, it's obviously going to take time for that, but I think with them playing these bigger teams, I think they're in it, obviously they're in it together, and they win as a team, lose as a team, and I think that if they continue to, play these big teams, they're going to come out strong one of these times. All right, so three games this week. Yes. Finally coming home on Sunday, but we got ways before we could talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the game happening tonight's record. Obviously, I'll mention more of this also. Tony Barbie's going home. Yep. Taylor Willie's going home. 
I will. I I am I am not gonna sing the whole Diddy song and I'm gonna start crying. But Kentucky, another top ten team in the nation, on the road at Rupp Arena. What are you looking for out of this game? Because obviously, in my opinion, they're not gonna win this. But what are what are some things you're looking for that could see you could tell like this program's slowly starting to turn a corner. You know, I think obviously Kentucky like they're gonna be coming out and they're they're looking for a win. Obviously, you know, um, they just came off a huge win the other day and. They're playing Tony, so they want to come back and win against him. But I think uh, for Central, I think it's just, again, working together in cleaning up that offense. And I guess maybe, yeah, the defense is pretty good, but I guess with like a team like this, you got to up it a little bit more. Um, yeah, so. And then Wednesday, the first um at Xavier. Xavier's not exactly what you call a blue blood, but they're a program that's been very consistent yeah. within the realm of, they're in, in their own conference, and normally we can push around their two sweet 16 in any given year. Uh, can I ask a question for Kentucky? What do you, what, what do you, what are you looking for out of this one to maybe show that there's been some improvement? I think maybe just uh, I think a big thing is working on the ball handling. I think that's one of the big things that I've noticed that I think would change, not change the outcome and like win and lose, but like the difference of it, like how bad they win, how bad they lose. Gotcha. So on Sunday, December 5th, we'll finally get a home game to cover Emory Kirk Arena again against another directional school from your home state. First of all, how excited are you to finally get a home game to cover? I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. The first regular season men's game with fans since I think your freshman year. Yeah. I've been moving right before COVID, before the MAC tournament hit. But also, yeah. Western Illinois. Um, do you know anybody from the Western Illinois area by chance? Cause, I do not. Dang, one school we couldn't hit. But what are you most looking forward to with this home game? Besides, obviously, the excitement, the energy of McGurk. But as a game, I mean, Western Illinois, obviously, look, they're D1. Okay, I can't knock them too bad, but. They're not quite the Gonzagas, the Kentuckys, or the Xaviers. Yeah. What do you expect now this one? I think I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good game. I think with Central coming off of playing all these big teams, I think they're going to go into it and they're going to be ready to play them. They're not going to look at it as like, oh, it's not a big team. Like, you know, they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, okay, let's learn, like, use what we learned when we played these big teams and use it for this game and come out with a win. That's also what I gotta say this too. It's gonna be so nice for some of those guys to wake up in their own beds and go play a game. Absolutely. Because yeah. like, man, let me tell you, just for me playing high school football, like a two-hour bus ride, the full bladder is not fun, folks. Yeah. Not fun at all. But imagine like, imagine going to these random towns, like going to Las Vegas. You went to wherever the hell Eastern Illinois is. I can't remember <laughs> what town it's at. But just just imagine just being on a bus, going to a hotel room with. A group of guys that you honestly met back in June and July. Yeah. Like, that's this seven-game road stretch is not easy. No. It is not. But that trip's about to be over. So, Ashley, any last thoughts on this men's basketball team before we wrap this up this episode? Uh, go out and support them. Go out and watch them on Sunday. Again, home game Sunday, December 5th against Western Illinois. Looks like their mascot, probably the Bulldogs or yeah. Terriers or something <laughs> like that. But again, that again that game set to tip off at two o'clock in McGurk Arena. Ashley, thank you so much for your time and enjoy your Monday. Thanks. Big thanks to Ashley. Always fun to talk with her about some basketball. 
Uh, she covered CMU field hockey again in the fall. A team that's a program that's kind of starting to find its footing. Uh, unfortunately, the men's basketball program is kind of in the same boat and trying to find their footing. Uh, so, but you know, you know, it's nature of the beast. You know, we're still going to cover Division One sports for free. So, uh, you know, it's, it's still a fun site, still a fun part of this job. But let's wrap up the show with some football with myself and Mr. Christian Boer. Well, we got through a cold one against Eastern, but. Man, that defense held Eastern to net only five yards rushing. Yeah. As I say, joining me now, as always, to wrap up this show is Mr. Christian Burke talking to CMU football. So, Christian, obviously you got to watch it from the fans with the – got to watch it from the stands and the fan with the fans with your dad. Yeah. Try saying that five <laughs> times fast. Um, what was your overall uh, take on that 31-10 to 10 walloping against Eastern Michigan? Well, it was just that. It was a walloping, man. I thought that the offense was a little uh, clunky early on. Um, they had a chance, a couple chances to bury him. They had the long, uh, the fourth and short to Wilson. That would have been a touchdown, but he slipped. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they did exactly what they came to do, and they beat the snot out of Eastern Michigan. Sounds like there's no love loss there uh, between the Chippewas and the Eagles. but Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, no, but, hey, man, that's not a bad way to end the year. Four straight double-digit wins. I mean, Two of the teams beat your tail last year, as Jim McElwain said. Gee, I, I'm just – there's just a ton of optimism surrounding this program right now. There is. And also, I just want to mention, uh, I asked uh, Coach McElwain after the game about his thoughts on the quarterback situation, uh, how that game went for him. And he mentioned, yeah, uh, you could tell you could tell that, uh, that, uh, Daniel, that, that, uh, that Daniel's from Miami. I'm like, yeah, yeah just a little bit. Cold weather, but once he once he got going, you know, the offense started real a little bit. Uh, obviously, Lou Nichols. Um, yeah, the dude's good around the rock. Another big game out of him. It wasn't just two hundred yards per usual, but yeah, he's within one hundred eighty yards of tying the single season rushing record, which is doable. You never know what bowl game they're gonna get, but you know, I gotta take this time just to clip a little bit uh, before the season started. You know, uh, we both we both kind of viewed. We looked at you know media day. Let's start there. I covered the West. You had the East. You kind of had Kent State tab to win the East. And, man, if, if, if Miami gets that two-point conversion in overtime, you know, yep. who knows what's going to happen. But I mentioned the West. This thing is going to be so unpredictable. It's going to be crazy. And son of a gun, the team picks sixth, gets a tiebreaker over CMU. Again, yeah. NIU, holy smokes. Big congratulations to Thomas Hammack and that squad. Yeah, uh, seriously. I thought there would be a team that, you know, once they get that big win about midseason, they're going to take off and go. That big win came week one against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Like, ever since then, like, like, I mean, they'd be a team that has a, a very similar blueprint to what they have done all season, what they want to do. So, any of you gets a tiebreaker. But also, before the season started, you and I wrote our predictions. Uh, you had seen me going 7-5, 5-3, and five, five and three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I had seen you going 8-4 and four overall, 6-2 and two in the MAC, and one in the MAC West. Well, CMU claims a share of the MAC West title, going eight and four and six and two in the MAC. Yep. Uh, but anyway, it's a tiebreaker, so um, yeah. Um, I won't gloat too right too much, but uh, Mitch was right. Insert, yeah. You know, seriously, catchy music in there somewhere, uh, man. But as we're looking at this now, the bull projections. Where do you hope this team ends up going? You know, I'm kind of open to everything. Um, I think that the spectacle that's going to be the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl would be kind of crazy. Um, 
the Boca Raton would be nice. I think that the Boca Raton versus Appalachian State would probably be my favorite matchup that I've seen. Um, Idaho Potato versus Fresno State is another one that I've seen. It'd be awesome, especially with Coach Mack. You know, he was OC at Fresno State before he went to Bama. Yep. So, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of different things that could happen. Uh, I don't think they'll go to the Lending Tree Bowl. Usually that's the one that takes the MAC champion. Um, so that would either be Northern Illinois or Kent State. And I think that Kent State's offense is attractive. But what's more attractive than the team that shut that offense down and beat the tar out of them? <laughs> Am yeah. I right? So we'll see. I could also see Central being a candidate for one of the ESPN Bowls that they have. So we'll see. It should be a wild greatest time. But since we're kind of at this point now, Christian – I think this answer is obvious, but who's your team MVP? Yeah, Lou Nichols. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Nichols, if I had to pick a defensive one, it'd probably be either Troy Hairston or J- Gage Kresge. Um, both of those guys were huge on defense all year. I think Kresge ended the season leading the team in tackles. Um, and Troy Hairston was just such a good presence on that defensive line. So. And with the offensive MVP, Lou Nichols, it's easy. You can't make a case for Cleo Pimpleton. Yeah. But what Lou did this season was insane. Defensively, it's, it's Troy Brown. Yeah. Without him in that defense, you know, they had 16, 18-point leads in NIU and uh, Toledo. They need overtime to beat Toledo and NIU. Well, they you know, yeah. there's a snap and it's bobbled, and we have two on sports next at NIU, but the game's over. Um, he has a heartbeat of that defense. Um, when he was gone, that defense suffered, although it wasn't suffer that much because Justin Whiteside filled that spot beautifully. Yeah, Justin Whiteside. I mean, beautifully. I mean, that linebacking core next season is going to be if Douglas and Brown are back with Moretti and Whiteside, holy smokes, they're still four deep there. But yeah. just being on the field for the Western game, too, it's like you could tell that this dude, like his vocal presence was missed when he was out. Yeah. And that defense turned a corner when he came back. So for me, defensive MVP, Troy Brown, slam dunk. Although, honestly, I, would, I could give it the whole D-line or to Kresge. Yeah. Uh, most improved, both sides of the ball. Uh, the cop-out answer on offense is Lou Nichols, so I won't say him. Um, and also, he was really good last year. Um, let's go with Daniel Richardson. Let's go with Daniel Richardson. I mean, you can say what you want. The dude threw 23 touchdown passes in the regular season. And he wasn't started. He didn't take and over did, until week five. Yep. He was impressive, man. You know, a lot of people are going to look at him as just a game manager, but there's something about that arm. There's something about that arm and the way he clicks in that offense that makes me think this is a dude that could stick around and be the guy, not just next year, but in, you know, until he graduates. So we'll see. Then on defense? Defensively, uh, Amir Sadiq. Amir Sadiq or Dante Kent. I think Dante Kent from the start of the year to the end of the year probably the most improved. Uh, but Amir Sadiq was a guy who we didn't really think much of. You know, you thought Troy Harrison, Laquan Johnson, you knew they had something in Thomas Incum. But Amir Sadiq had a really good year as well, and I think that that's a guy that certainly qualifies for maybe the most improved. So for me, offensive, um, get two choices. I just know it's it's one because he's still a freshman. I want to take enough. Dallas Dixon. Yeah, he was good. I mean, the chemistry with him and Dan- and Danny Richardson dates back that scout team in nineteen. Mm-hmm. But also for those who know, like his like race, but he switched to number six and stuff, and just how good he was in the red zone. Yeah, I think I'll think I'll think they'll never get enough credit for what he's able to do. It's one of the richest best uh, best options. But for me, I'm most proven on defense. Uh, it's either Wesley Whiteside or it's Dante Kent. Yeah. Like you mentioned with Dante Kent, like week one shaky, but man, 
it was, it was after an all-players meeting that something just clicked with that kid. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it was, but it just clicked. And he was – very rarely did you see him get beat in space tackling. But his coverage just got so much better. His eyes got better. His hands got better. And this is going to be the number one guy that can bank on, I think, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Just, no, he, he was solid end of the year. Uh, a player that you thought – okay, we're going to be very I'm careful with this kind of area. But a player who felt was kind of a letdown. Like, but, like you know, he had the good aspirations but just didn't quite live up to it. Um, One guy I thought was who I was really high on in the offseason uh, who didn't really pan out was Richard Bowens. Um, and I think that that a lot goes back to the fact that Dante Kent came on just so strong toward the end of the year. And also Bowens was dealing with some injury stuff at the end of the year. Um, just didn't see him as much as I thought we would. You know, it's not to say he was good or bad, but just he didn't really get on the field as much as I thought he would. Um, offensively, you know what? I don't really have an option on offense. It, it's tough to say. It, it kind of goes back to that same boat of a guy I thought we might see more of. Um you know, there's just there was just such a log jam at that wide receiver, and, and one guy, and, and this isn't saying he's like now because he missed the whole season with injuries, but Drayton Law was a guy I wish we could have saw this year. Yeah, he was a guy I wish we could have saw. He was he was good last year. I uh, had a really good game against Western. Um, it was just kind of a bummer that he didn't get to play yeah. at all because of the injury. I think offensively, I think his last four games are a lot better. I think early on, I think Deontay Woods Powell. I think I, th- I, th- I think he struggled a little bit. Now as the season went on. I mean, he was he was flexible enough to move to right guard or right tackle wherever he needed him. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys. I think early on, I think struggled just a little bit, but that last four games a stretch. He got know, it together. He played some really good football. Yeah. But I think just because the first half, the first part of the schedule, I thought looked a little iffy. Like I think there's reason why Keegan Smith started to get more reps. Yeah. But second half, but that last four games, he turned on so well. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I think if Kadeki is really gonna go pro like they thought, um. You know, that's a guy that could – that's the thing, a look they're going to have. Yeah. So, for that. And then defensively, I'm kind of with you on Bowens a bit. But, you know, he honestly got the biggest win of the season. He got engaged. Yeah, Good no, for that's him. true. So, congrats to him on that. Yeah, seriously. Uh, defensively, um, I think just to the numbers and what he did last year, I mean, his presence still was there. I think I clogged up. I thought just number-wise, I thought Troy Hairston – I thought he'd be finished around six, seven sacks. Yeah, four and a half. But I will say the that, rotation, the rotation got so good yes. that you know, I, you know, and the reason I say it's disappointing is because you know he wasn't relied upon as much, which is honestly the best thing that could have happened. Yeah, because I mean that rotation got five, six deep pass rushing is perfect. Yeah, I mean the numbers I thought from a running Comac defensive player of the year weren't quite up to snuff, but you look at the reason why behind it. It's because guys like you know like like Laquan Johnson, Amir yeah. Sadiq, Thomas, and Coom really took. Took a lot of the weight off his shoulders. Yeah. So that made me happy just to see that. I mean, honestly, I thought Harrison was going to be just to have this breakthrough monster season. But you know what? He played the role this team needed him to play. And that, I think, says more about him than any stat good. Absolutely. So I say that as a disappointment, but I take it with a grain of salt. It's like, okay, the logic behind it is really, really good. Yeah. But, Christian, any last thoughts before we sign off for, I think, might be our last uh, second-ass football chat. Well, yeah, I do want to get your thoughts on one player you're excited to see next year that maybe we didn't see a ton of this year, and I've got mine, Finn Finn Hogan. Mine's Kobe Lewis. Kobe Lewis is a great answer. Because, look, okay, Lewis is a bell cow, right? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. If they figure out left tackle next year, get that locked down, 
Because I think it'll be Woods, Paul at right tackle. Yeah. Smith at left at right guard. You still have Kimbrough at center. You still have Titan Ferris at left guard. If you can figure out that left tackle spot quick. Yeah. And really compete with Oklahoma State and Penn State that's not conference league they have, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it will be tough. That those it wouldn't shock me both those guys finished with thirteen hundred rushing yards. Yeah. I would not be surprised. That number specifically thirteen hundred. Not a thousand, not eleven hundred, thirteen hundred out of both guys. That would be crazy. So for me, obviously I want to see what this running game looks like when Kobe Lewis gets back. Because the by looks of it, um Raymond and Gadecki both walked. So yeah. maybe it's a sign they're not coming back. Maybe it's a sign you know maybe a change of heart in this bowl game, you never know. But yeah, that's where I'm second. But you're saying Finn Hogan. Because yeah. you, you, you've, been on, you've, been the, you've been the leader of the Finn Hogan fan I'm the club captain, all season. I'm the captain of the Finn Hogan train, man. He and, – and, it's you know, we don't get really to watch practice. We haven't had any in-person availability. But when you hear a guy like Alvin Slaughter gush about Finn Hogan the way he did, you can't help but get a little chill on your spine. Yeah. Because he spoke so highly of Finn Hogan – and then to go out there in that season opener before he broke his collarbone, he was playing. Like, he was going in every play, shuffling with Jacory, and he played a little bit against Eastern. Um, I'm not, I'd have to go back and look at the rep counts to see if he got in at all against Kent State or Ball State. Uh, you'd hate to burn his red shirt, um, so maybe he doesn't play in the bowl game if they – I don't know, I'd have to go back and look. But, um, no, I think he's going to be a good player. 6'4", athletic, lanky, was a 400-meter state champion – that that combination of size and speed is so unique for a walk-on. It's, it's incredible. I think he's going to be a guy with Ja'Cory Sullivan leaving. He's a guy who you could see kind of take on that war daddy role next season, winning in one-on-one. Got to get a little bit bigger, I think. But, I mean, just the, the, the physical skills and the athletic ability just scream to me as somebody who can play at this level. Yeah, one other player I'm going to mention before we sign off, because I just saw this kid too, because he mentioned it. Alex Arch. Yeah. The, the the equipment guy turned on the walk-on special teams guy. Man, I'm just curious to see how this journey goes. Because we all know Troy Harrison started an equipment room, walk-on. His legacy is cemented. Yeah. What's Alex Arch going to do? Well, I just think it's hilarious that they have him listed as a transfer from Alpena Community College. And that's a community college that doesn't even have a football team. It's awesome. Something stuck out. And he's on the travel roster, too. Yeah. And that that's interesting to me as well. Because walk-ons... Don't usually make the travel rosters, and especially not walk-ons who spent the last few years at a community college. True. So, we'll see. True. But to wrap us all up, for Mr. Sean Chase, Miss Ashley Brickness, that was Christian Boer. I'm sports here, Mitch Fosberg. Chippewa fans, be safe.